Keys to the Red Castle. Keys to the galaxy. The galaxies. And the universe. Keys that we need. 
future over my present spirit of wisdom and understanding over my body over my mind spirit of counsel spirit of mind and over my soul over my heart spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Red Castle. Red Castle covering canopy of Christ. Say that five times fast. Absorb, receive, and let the old mind decrease. Just breathe in that fresh air, fresh air from heaven. Preparing your mind, your heart, and your spirit to receive a fresh revelation from heaven. Still the old mind. He's taking away the old mind and giving you a new mind of Christ. Just wait, wait for it. Lean into it, relax into it. Angels being released. You're learning to enter his rest. The mind of stone is the mind of strife. So as you still the mind, you still the heart, still the soul. To be still. thoughts not on what you have to do today what you have to do tomorrow just let it pass cares and worries about what you should or shouldn't be doing breathe it in There it goes. There it is. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Feel that peace that surpasses all understanding. A breath of fresh air, peace upon your mind, peace upon your soul. 
So we'll see what we have time to get into today. But we're looking at the genealogy of the seven seed lines and trees, understanding the mountain ranges, exposing the cabal, if we have time for that. That'd be the most fun. The chosen versus the chosen. Explaining the trees of the Garden of Righteousness. The forbidden fruit. The emerald and the sapphire rod and the staff of the shepherd. Bloodlines and star seeds. Oh, yes. Understanding astrology. These are all the topics. If we don't have time to get into all of it today, we've got plenty of time this week and in the days to come. And all these things, these teachings that you've been hearing this season of righteousness, holiness, the cosmic tree of life, the seeds of the fruit of the trees of spirits, the stolen word cabal and what it actually means in the Bible, what are the mountain ranges of the enemy, all these things that you've been hearing this season of the training of righteousness going up on the, the moon and the sun, right? The seven interior castles of Enoch. All of these things, these teachings that you're learning this season did not come from any man or woman or book or online teaching from any man or woman, any person on the earth. When you read the Bible, and it says, the gospel according to Luke, the gospel according to John, and you read Paul's letters, he calls it his gospel, why is that? He had an encounter with Jesus who appointed him in an apostolic position. And if you read his letters and you see how they're misused today, in the fallen state of Christianity, lukewarm Laodicean Christianity, and the misuse and the turnaround and the twisting of his letters. When you come into these realms, if you've noticed now, if you've gone back and seen Paul's letters, you'll see that he was actually a preacher of righteousness. Oh yeah. It is written, and if God permits, onto advanced training in righteousness, he talks about righteousness many times. There are things that Paul and John understood could not be shared during their time. Seal up what the seven thunders have said. This is a time of the unveiling of the seven thunders. This is the time of the unveiling of cosmic righteousness. So these teachings that you've been hearing this season on righteousness, holiness, the interior castles of Enoch, oh yes. All of these things were not taught to me by any man or woman, but was taught to me by God himself, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and the holy angels, Uriel being one of them, Gabriel another. This is the gospel that I'm teaching to you. The gospel, it's a cosmic gospel of righteousness and the tree of life. And that's accurately what this is did not come through any man or woman, but it was a direct impartation and teaching from God the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, the Holy Spirit, 
and the holy angels. Archangels? A few of the seven archangels, yes. Some of the seventh heaven angels that don't leave their post in the seventh heavens, yes. And that's truly and accurately what this season of training in righteousness is. It is the gospel that was given to me by God and his holy angels. And it's a revelation, the cosmic tree of righteousness. It's the ancient path. It's the way it's a training in the path of Enoch. Fire, you feel that fire? Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we're learning. Well, why do you give it to you? Are you so special? Wow, wow, wow. Well, you know what? There's nothing special about me that God should give me these things. I was hungry. I was desperate. The reasons why God chooses, who he calls and who he appoints and why he gives things to them, that's up to God. That's not, not up to us to decide what we can choose with our will is to seek God right if you choose to believe that God is really a rewarder of those who diligently seek him then you diligently seek him all right but why don't we often seek him as much as we would especially during those times of pressure do you have any years or days or times that you wish that you would have been pressing in more and why didn't you you'll see many times the reason why different times in our life we don't press in as much as we'd like to is because the people around us friends family influences friends online friends in person personal life work friends whatever it is when we see the people in our peripherals and even the wicked people get away with so much or you'll see even if you know something is wrong as deception and people are in it there's a frustration that comes like why god aren't you doing anything and so you're hurt. The righteous are hurt by the sin around them. When you step into righteousness, you feel the sins of the people, especially the sins of the people around you, and your own sins grieve you more than anyone's. And the temptation as you start to practice righteousness, you start training in righteousness, is to allow the hurt of the sin around you to make you want to Go down and live like the people who are still living on the earth. Because unless they have the revelation of righteousness, they're living under the sun, they're living on the earth. And there's nothing good under the sun, there's nothing new under the sun. And until the hearts are ready to understand, like you might have family members, you might have friends, they'll never get it until their hearts are right. And they're ripe. Until the soil is ready. They'll never catch it. So what do you do? You live in, you have to be willing to live in misunderstanding, unrighteous judgment with people unrighteously judging the righteous, and understanding that there is a time, a lot of times there's a delay, where you'll be the only one, you might be the only one in your family, you might be the only one in your friend circle. You have to be okay with being the only one walking in it. It's nice, it's great. We have this company here that's training in righteousness. That is a golden opportunity. That's the kind of opportunity you don't get usually in this world. So treasure it. 
Treasure that community. Treasure your friends who are training in righteousness. Or training for righteousness. Holiness. But you have to come to terms with and make peace with in yourself that even if nobody else walks with me, I will walk in it and I'll walk in his way. Have that fierceness of the Lion of Judah that even if you can't share all those things, your pearls with the people around you, you'll walk in it no matter what. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently serve him. And that pain that, that's been caused to you by the sin around you, when people don't understand or are refusing to hear the truth, maybe for a time, here's what you have to understand. When you rise into righteousness and you rise into holiness, it forces the standard of judgment upon everyone around you. And what that does is as you go higher and you raise a standard within yourself, it's easy to look at everyone else's sins, especially as you walk into righteousness because it grieves you and it hurts you. When you walk into cosmic righteousness, when people are sinning against you, that you don't have to see anything. You don't have to hear anything. You feel it physically. They murder you when they sin against you, whether they know it or not. Every time since the day I stepped into righteousness that I've been sinned against by my brothers and sisters, I have felt it. It's painful. You give that pain to the Lord, you get washed, and you get healed. But it's the reality of walking into those things. And it's something that there's no understanding of that when you're under the sun. So you have to make peace with yourself. I'm willing to pay that price and whatever other price there is because there's nothing in this world that is as valuable as Jesus Christ, his flesh and his blood, his bones. Oh yeah. Make your mind up today who you will serve. No matter what anyone does around you, no matter what it hurts, you will walk in the way of righteousness because there's no other life. There's no other life that has life than the life of walking in the way. And so what that does, I want to speak this to anyone who's in a situation, whether it's your family or your friends or anyone around you in your community. Instead of trying to press upon and teach where there's no openness or willingness or readiness to hear the message, if the sins are of the people around you are just driving you nuts and it is hurting you, raise a standard within your own self. It's easier to see their sins than your own, but as you start to grow in righteousness, your own sins will grieve you much more than the people around you. So as you rise, when you enforce a standard within yourself, what it does is, like Noah who raised a standard in righteousness, it forces that upon their heads. When you change and you rise higher, not succumbing to the temptation to go below, to hurt people back, but to forgive, to go higher. Because what it does, that flood, it's a flood of fire. It's a flood of the blood of Jesus, transfigured blood. And it forces that decision upon their heads. It's not like lukewarm Christianity where, oh, I just, you know, my family always sins and they always sin all the time and they just never change and I just can't do anything about it. And I just pray, 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 nothing ever changes. Not in righteousness. It forces it upon their heads to change. And this is what I've noticed and it's been true in my life and everyone that I know that stepped into righteousness. 
when you rise into righteousness, it forces a flood upon them and they can no longer be in their current state around you. It forces everyone in your life to either, they'll either get burnt up and be made righteous, be made holy, or they will be burnt out of your life. And it will be done angelically and they'll be forced to be removed from your life. There's no in between. It gets rid of that kind of gray area, lukewarm, just kind of not changing, not wanting to change. No, this forces it. They literally won't have a choice. After that, well, they have a choice to either grow in righteousness or be burnt out of your life or be separated in some way from you. And so that's the answer to anyone who feels stuck or you feel like it's just a stagnant thing. There's lukewarmness around you. Raise a standard within yourself. Go higher. It forces it upon the people. We have to be willing to pay the price because how, how are you to know as a human who's going to rise with you and who's going to be cast out? God might show you. He might not. You can help the people, but you can't make the decision for them when they, they have to decide. So you have to be willing to lose everything and everyone. But it's worth it. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the word for somebody today. Receive it. Receive it. Be brave. Be strong. Be bold. The Lord your God is with you when you practice righteousness and holiness. Amen. Mike J. 420. Amen. Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam. Enoch, whose name means dedicated, trained, disciplined. Disciplined. Right? We've been given the spirit of power, love, and a disciplined mind. It means dedicated or consecrated to God. Enoch means consecrated to God. Here we go. This is the one. Okay. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, the seventh castle. A Ritade is a genealogy. Heavenly divine DNA, glorified RNA, copying, making copies of God's original as you pass through each castle. Do you notice too? Look at Jared. Look at this. By the way, if you didn't get the memo or the news online, last night we stepped into the red castle. Oh, yay! Congratulations! Oh, wow, yay! Oh, oh. The best thing ever, I know. Red castle. Red castle, glory, glorified, blood of Jesus. Amen. And the signs and wonders we've been waiting on to confirm it. 
If you're waiting to get the revelation, I don't know if you missed it yet or not, but the revelation for the gateway and the key for entering the Red Castle is literally in my broadcast from yesterday. It's called The Names of the Moon. The Names of the Moon. Now, for the past, I would say about a week or so, the Lord has been confirming with signs and wonders that we were getting ready to go into the sixth castle, the Red Castle. We've been in the Onyx Castle, the Black Castle, now we're in the Red Castle. We were in a transition time. We kept getting the word, it's coming, it's coming, it's almost here, it's like, okay. But we hadn't walked in yet. And I asked the Lord, okay, we get the signs, what needs to happen? What needs to happen to go in? And the Spirit, He told me, in the still, small voice, popped up from right within my spirit. And He said, it's a revelation. Now go study. <laughs> All right. So there was the studying yesterday. And as I was making my notes and I was studying, bam, it came, it hit. The revelation of the unveiling of the sixth castle, the red castle of Jared. But we already talked about that. You can go back in your own time and watch that one, the names of the moon. I would encourage you in that one and in the videos like that. Whenever I just make specific notes to read to you, Videos like that one are completely packed, phrase upon phrase, sentence upon sentence, with pure revelation. So literally, if you're multitasking while you're watching something like that, even for a moment, if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss something big. It's completely jam-packed with revelation, each line. Whether you perceive it or not, it's good to put those ones on repeat. You'll hear more of those revelations as, it, as you open up and the soil is getting tilled that sapphire rod of righteousness amen amen so i encourage you to go back through the videos there's something new every time when you're learning righteousness amen so adam we're looking at the genealogy here means son of the red earth adam means son of the red earth its meaning comes from the hebrew word adama meaning the earth from which Adam is said to be formed. The name also refers to the reddish color associated with human skin on account of blood. Genesis 2-7, which states that the Adam was formed out of the Adama. So that's Adam, A-D-A-M, was formed out of A-D-A-M-A-H. The blood and the earth, the earthen vessel of blood. You know, it's interesting. I also noticed this week, as soon as I get revelation, I'll put it in my journal or I'll speak it in secret offline. I noticed, especially this week, and it's been like this for the last couple of months, especially preachers and teachers. There are some preachers and teachers online that are repeating things that I'm saying in secret, things that I'm preaching even on the broadcast here. So you can kind of see who's in the mountain as the revelations are coming in and um, those words from heaven are going out. Hey, ring and a hey. It's kind of a sign and a wonder. It's good, it's good. Adam, earth or soil? 
son of the red earth, the man of earth and blood, which also represents man, mankind. Seth, appointed. Seth means appointed, placed or appointed, put, anointed. Compensation or appointed. Anointed and appointed. Seth. Enosh, Enos. Mortal man, mortal man, sick, despaired of, forgetful, humankind. From the Hebrew, meaning mankind or human, mortal man, it is appointed for him to die. It is appointed for man to die once. And then Kenan. To acquire possession or to take possession. Mahalalel. Castle 5 there, what we just finished up with. Mahalalel, the shining one of El. Praise and for the word of God, the blessed God, or God bless, the shining one of El. Jared, sixth castle, which we just entered yesterday. He descends, he who descended, and he who descended also ascended. And then Enoch, meaning dedicated, trained, disciplined, dedicated, or consecrated to God. So you see here, from Adam to Enoch, I can't reach that high in here apparently. Ah. <laughs> next season, next castle. From Adam to Enoch, the earthen vessel of clay and blood. From Adam to Enoch, based on the meanings of their names here. The earthen vessel of clay and blood that is anointed and appointed in the flesh and blood of mortal man who is appointed to die to acquire or take possession of the shining one of God and God takes possession over him through praising, blessing God, blessing the name of the Lord of hosts he who descended, Jared, also ascended the path of Jesus Christ back to the Father which is what Enoch did a man who was dedicated, trained, and disciplined in the way back home. The way of the Lord. The lightning path. Right? The lightning path. There and back again, a hobbit's tale. Amen. The way of the Lord. The seven interior castles of Enoch and the way back to the Father above in heaven. Amen. Seed lines and trees. Seed lines and trees. This is what I explained to my friends this week. There is a the serpent seed line that came through Cain and his offspring, passing down what he inherited from Satan through murder and more. He passed it down through what do we learn in science? Nature and nurture, genetics and actions. Those are what affect the genes. This is proven in science, right? Nature and nurture. The nature of what you inherited genetically, and then nurture, which is the decision made decisions made around you, decisions made toward you, and decisions made by you changes physically your genetics. And if that's true in the natural dimension under the sun, in normal everyday life, 
It is actually magnified when you start walking in the anointing and in the light or in the stolen anointing and the stolen light. Stolen anointing. Here's something important for you to understand. Everyone should understand this. Stolen anointing. What you do with stolen anointing and stolen anointing and stolen grace. It's stolen grace. That's what that is. It can never bless you genetically or spiritually. What does that mean? What is stolen grace? People don't understand this, so they destroy themselves when they take what they need from a ministry and then betray and leave. It harms their genetics. We don't want that for anyone, but people make choices. Honor of the kingdom culture is also a way to protect your divine DNA genetics being formed in you. It's all about blood, bloodlines, star seeds and bloodlines. The stolen grace that harms the genetics. I'll tell you a story, for example. It nev they steal it for a blessing, but it always turns into a curse. And it can't be helped. That's just the nature of things. It's how it always is and how it always will be. So if you understand that, you understand the culture of heaven is to protect you. To harm you, protect you. To heal you. This is a great example uh, for teaching purposes. My father, who was like an outer courts preacher for a long time. You know, he was doing really good for a while. His spirit started to kind of come up and out, say like in his 30s. But by the time he got into his 40s, he was so beat down by the star of death that was over our church, by just the family stuff, you know? And, um, what do you want to call it? The Jezebel and just all the things that are out there that the outer courts are not prepared to handle when your spirit starts to rise. So he got beat back down into his cave, but my father, my earthly dad, growing up, when his spirit was starting to rise on account of practicing love, he would read the Bible and start to practice as much of a measure as up, of uprightness as is even possible for someone in that position, under the sun, outer courts. No tongues, no, you know, not a lot of healing or miracles. Occasional miracle. I always see an occasional miracle through prayer, but... Interesting thing about my dad, he had such a gift within his spirit when his spirit started to come out of him in his 30s, when he was just really on, he was on as much fire as he'd ever been for the Lord. The woods, so the woods in our backyard had been dying because of religion and death. And there was just all these things that were happening. And I was grieved because that the woods I'd actually seen when I was a kid, an open portal. Uh, there was one winter, everything was covered in snow, brand new fresh snow. I was walking around the woods alone as a kid. And I had all kinds of, you know, angelic experiences as a child. But one of them, I came across this archway, this gateway, and it was green leaves, fresh green leaves, and like a vine. Nothing, not one bit of snow, everything else, every other leaf, every other branch, every other vine, every tree was covered in fresh snow, untouched by anything, just covered in snow. But this one green vine 
made an archway. No snow on it at all, and it looks like supernatural, vibrant green. Like, it's not even possible for a plant like that to hold on to its leaves in the winter. So I stood there and I stared at it, and I was like, what is this? And I was just a kid, but I knew that I wanted to walk through it and step through it. It was a gateway. Ooh, a physical manifest gateway. And I had a feeling that if I stepped through it, something would happen. But, you know, I was a little kid. I didn't have any understanding. And I thought, oh, I gotta show my brother. His name... Hey. His name has a prophetic meaning, too. But I went to go get him first, because I wanted to show him. But it disappeared when I came back. It wasn't there. And so I thought, well, that's strange. It had to have been around here. We looked and looked and looked. It doesn't... It's not there. It was physically there. It wasn't just like an apparition. It was like physically manifest. So for the longest time when I was a kid, every winter, after it would snow, I would go out and I would look for that portal. And as I continued my search for that portal, I started experiencing realms and portals when I would sleep at night. I would see angels, sometimes demons. I would be learning how to, you know, at, in the night, how to open portals, how to go through them. There was training on different, you know, things to do with your invisible body. How to, you know, float and fly and do all that stuff. How to train for war in the invisible realm. And it got to be so real. I, I would tell my little sister when we'd go to lay down to bed at night, I couldn't tell which side of reality was real because the other side when I'd go there it's like that's more real to me over there how do I tell what how do I know <laughs> this is a little kid you know how do I know which side is the dream maybe I'm just dreaming and sleeping over here and we do we sleep we go through our waking life and we're asleep she's not dead she's just sleeping why did Jesus say that There's a level of sleep and death that we walk in daily. That you have to awake. Why is it written, awake and arise? Let your light shine. Open up your gates. Lift up your heads, O you gate. Awake, arise, shine, for your light has come. Wake up! Amen. So, anyway, the gift that my dad had is his spirit started to grow in his 30s as he was seeking God, not minding too much what other people said. That woods that had begun to die where I'd seen that portal. He went in and cleared out, out the brush and he single-handedly, through care of the woods and through prayer and changing the way he was living, revived the entire woods behind our house and it was like a strip of woods that went past everyone's house one man reviving a whole woods and i remember watching it come back to life and i knew that it was the life within my dad Ooh. and it's a beautiful thing 
To see a spirit come to life is the most precious thing. That's what's precious to the Father, is gardening trees. Trees of righteousness. Mm. Ooh, but my dad had his troubles and his things he couldn't overcome. But we're believing for our families. Don't count on other people getting it. You, this is how we get them. And I just think about our champions too. The pain that you've gone through watching. Your friends and families, some of them die. Some of them spiritually dead. And you want to do what you can to save them, but there's no convincing, there's no arguments that... Because natural arguments aren't what took them down, you have to understand. You have to do it. You have to grow as a tree of righteousness. That's the only way. If they're not hearing it, don't worry about it. Grow yourself up as a tree and change the world. Change the spiritual world. When the floods come, and I know a lot of you have witnessed to this, we're going to get a lot of people in the floods. We have to raise the standard. That's the only way to get some of those stubborn cases. You grow up. Change yourself. Okay, if people aren't hearing it, cover your family. You become the canopy. You do it. That's what we're doing. So, you know, fulfilling your own destiny in Christ is the best way you can help. That you can help the body, that you can help your family, cause the floods. So I'll, and I'll share this with you. What is it that keeps the spirit down? Well, we all make choices in life, and I'll share this with you about my dad because this is pretty much what destroyed him on top of everything else. There was a mentor who came around. This is a, a my this was my mentor for many years before I came into you know baptism of the Holy Spirit. Critical transition. He understood severity and the sword of the spirit. This man was just like a, used to be a Zen master who would like have like, you know, new age signs and wonders, like physical lights appearing and stuff. Really powerful mind, probably one of the most brilliant minds in the United States for the last, I don't know how many years, who would design all these crazy things in engineering, like stuff you wouldn't believe. Naturally gifted, spiritually gifted, but totally rejected by man because he was seeking the truth, did it in Zen, then he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he converted to Christianity. So obviously he met Jesus, and then he had zeal, and he would what he would do is go church to church until he would get kicked out of each one, then he'd go to the next one, and he'd preach the truth that Jesus gave him in his encounter. And he would go a lot of times to the outer court churches and would give them the next bit of truth if they wanted to wake up and meet Jesus. And he would get continually kicked out. He would get continually fired from his jobs until he came into his uh, engineering job for the government. And he was so smart and so intelligent and there was nobody else who could do what he was doing. He couldn't be fired because they needed him. Because everyone else is such a numbskull because our people are getting dumbed down from sin and unrighteousness and wicked government. So they needed him so he couldn't be fired. <laughs> so you would just 
Anyway, it was, what a character. His name was William. William Smith. Brilliant, man. Uh, really a lot of zeal for the Lord. So one of those churches, after he got kicked out, the next church he came to was my church, where my dad was a preacher. Out of courts, out of Christianity. It was wild, man. And he was really wealthy, but you couldn't tell it. He always just had jeans, which he called his dungarees, and like a plaid shirt. That was his go-to. But then he always had the nice car, you know. People wouldn't know it until they saw his cars, that he was wealthy. So him and my dad hit it off because my dad was growing his spirit. He was hungry, you know. So for seven years, my dad learned from a man who encountered Jesus, who received revelation from God. It was the first time we'd seen miracles and wonders, cancer healed, fruit being born on the, on the people, even the young people who would receive the word, like trees bearing spiritual fruit without trying. We'd never seen anything like it in the outer courts. It was an anomaly. But of course, there was a lot of war on that because the demon overlords didn't like it and all their, you know, the big fat elders that got put into the elder closet, you know, they just go in a closet and come out, now you're an elder, whatever. You know how it is on the elder courts, maybe you don't know. But anyway, for seven years, he taught my dad. And for seven years, my dad used what he taught him as his own teaching and preaching. And he didn't mind, he was a really humble guy. But for seven years, my dad learned from him and preached using what he got from him. Now, when it came time for the testing to honor him, woo, I'm sorry to say on my dad's behalf, he failed that test miserably. When the pressure came, and the pressure came on financially, the potential of maybe getting kicked out, losing his job, losing position, or being judged, are you listening to this crazy guy? Church split kind of thing happening, you know. When it came down to it, my dad couldn't honor the man who taught him for seven years. He used all his material as his own preaching. Stolen grace. But when the pressure came on, he wouldn't stand up for him or defend him. Seven years of stolen grace. And what did it do? It destroyed my dad. Ooh, man. I watched it happen. I was a kid. And I told him because I had a relationship with God. I've had a relationship with God since I was born into this world. When I was in my crib, I saw the Holy Spirit come out of my own belly, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. He came out of my belly, physically, and wrapped me like a cloud blanket. Even at three years old, I would sit and I would listen to God and I would talk to God and His presence would fill my room. He taught me sovereignly how to read without ever having to be taught by anyone. Even through all my darkest days, God always spoke to me, and I always spoke to him. There's never been a year that I didn't talk to God or didn't hear back from him. He's literally been with me from birth until now, and he's never forsaken me. Undeservedly, 
but he's been good. He's always been faithful. So even though I was young, I warned my father at the time. I warned him. I gave him the Bible verses. I told him, trust God. Don't be afraid of man. Seven years, my father learned from this man. But the moral of the story is, when you come around to the anointing and the anointed of God, and you receive the teaching and you grow, and it's wonderful, and we're here, we're learning, the kingdom culture of honor is to protect you so that you don't end up like the people that come around. They learn and they take and they grow. And then there comes a level where either there's, they're satisfied or they get into the fear of man or they don't want to honor and they get destroyed. Stolen grace will destroy you and your genetics every time without exception without fail so let the fear of the lord come into you and upon you that your genetics might not be destroyed for a lack of wisdom for lack of the fear of the lord for lack of heaven's honor culture we want you to learn and grow from these things but understand it's a double-edged sword and it's a dangerous thing it's a fearsome thing to fall into the hands of god Amen. I see all men as trees. Seed line. Seed lines and trees. Nature and nurture. Genetics and choices affect your genetics. Your body, your soul, spirit, mind, your bone, your marrow. Woo! So if you remember, I talked on here about the verse in the Bible where Jesus opened the man's eyes. The first time he said, I see all men as trees. But one translation more accurately describes it. He said, I see all men as tree trunks. I see all men as tree trunks. The trunk is the part of a tree that connects the leafy crown with its roots. Roots absorb water and nutrients from the soil which are then transported up the tree trunk in cells that act much like pipes. In Mark 8:24, he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. And in the TLB version, this translates it a little more accurately. The man looked around and said, yes, he said, I see men, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like tree trunks walking around. Mark 8, 24. Trees in the spirit rep represent spirits. He was seeing men according to the height of their spirit. From tree trunks as tree stumps to trunks of varying degrees of height and he probably noticed Jesus's stature as a tree much higher than the rest of the tree trunks out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot yes a new branch bearing fruit from the old root and the Aramaic Bible in plain English says and a staff and a staff 
What is that shoot that comes out of the stump of Jesse? David. What does this translate? The shoot, that tender shoot growing up? And a staff shall go forth from the stock of Ishay, Jesse. And a shoot shall bud from his roots. That's Isaiah 11.1. 1. A staff, the tree of life, the sapphire staff of creation. Represented in Moses' staff upon which was inscribed the name of the Lord of hosts. This is from the Garden of Raul, the Garden of the Friend of God, in the book of Jasher. And it was that whilst he prayed, he looked opposite to him, and behold, a sapphire stick was placed in the ground, which was planted in the midst of the garden, and he approached the stick, and he looked, and behold, the name of the Lord God of hosts was engraved thereon, written and developed upon the stick. And he read it and stretched forth his hand, and he plucked it like a forest tree from the thicket, and the stick was in his hand, and this is the stick, the staff, Christ, tree of life, with which all the works of our God were performed after he had created heaven and earth, and all the host of them, seas, rivers, and all their fishes. And when God had driven Adam from the Garden of Eden, he took the stick in his hand and he went and tilled the ground from which he was taken. And the stick came down to Noah and was given to Shem and his descendants until it came into hand, the hand of Abraham the Hebrew. Trees and heights. And let's take a look at Jezebel's Tower. We'll take a quick look here. We were talking about this at dinner last night. I was seeing how, you know, last night during uh, during the Joel's Bar broadcast, I could kind of hear the minds of the people. And so a lot of you, or some of you, have been kind of wondering, okay, well, am I in the sun? Am I training in righteousness? Have I overcome Jezebel yet? I feel like I did, but then maybe not. And where am I safe? And how does this work? I could feel the confusion coming from some of the viewers. And so I explained this to some of the people at dinner last night and that gave them clarity. So you can just understand how all this works. How things are in reality in the invisible realm. So that you can have an understanding. Because the best way it's written in Proverbs to escape a snare, escape a trap, is to be aware of it. That's wisdom. Alright, so we're familiar, we've talked about the river, the trees, the tree stumps, the tree of life, rising. So what is it that keeps people rising? Here we have this uh, representative of Jezebel's tower in the earth. She is a terrestrial spirit in the earth sphere, but her castle... This is what I explained to my friends this week. Understand Jezebel's castle. It rises up towards the towards the sphere of the moon it's under the moon but it's connected to the earth it's her tower through the sky her job as a principality is to keep all the believers and everyone on the earth earthbound that you'll never arise and ascend to the celestial sphere so that they can maintain control of it 
because it's written in the word of God that whatever is done in the heavens, that's how it'll be done on the earth. So you control the celestial sphere, you control the earth, the earth sphere. So her job here in the castle, as a principality of the earth, going, that's the heights that she reaches is under the moon. If anyone starts to rise, right, she's the religious cap. Overall Freemasonry, Christianity, and buildings made by human hands, or their pyramids, steeples, and all that. Which, by the way, I was taken out of body. I was taken out of body years ago, and the Holy Spirit at my right hand as a faceless man of fire took me behind the scenes of the church that I grew up in and showed me how it was in every church. Behind the steeple, behind the spiritual veil, was a demon principality in each one. And they absorbed the worship. And so that's why after I'd left the church that I grew up in, I knew to stay out of the churches because he revealed to me what was going on behind the scenes. Hey, thank you, Holy Spirit. So this tower here, let's say you're these little guys here, we see some of these root these stumps are varying in height. If they're in darkness, their spirit is black. But look at this little guy here. He's a Christian. He's been regenerated. Not only that, he's in, like, cutting-edge Christianity outside of buildings made by human hands. Look, see that light? There's a tender shoot, that little green shoot here, coming out of the stump from the roots of David. But he's still on the earth. He's still under the sun, under the moon. So what happens? They send the fiery arrows, the fiery darts, the witchcraft and the magic of Jezebel will do everything in her power because it's her job and she'll be severely punished even by her own kingdom if she fails to keep them earthbound. That's why, even as you have your apostles like in the sun now and on the sun, we're reinforcing by adding you, you to the ranks, you rising, the more you come into apostolic agreement, the more you're covered. Now, okay, so I want you to see this as a covering. How is this guy? How are you going to be from where you are? Overcome. Don't go into these fiery darts. Don't get caught up in Jezebel's witchcraft. If she's doing everything, if all these guys are doing everything, or smarter than you, to keep you earthbound, how are you going to overcome? Because you might have us as your apostles. We're already over the sun in the castle of Jared. Like, well, what about me? Am I just stuck on the earth? No. Let me explain to this how explain to you how it works. I'm gonna use kind of my hands to describe it. When you come into obedience, and I've seen this, this works. This is literally how it works. When your apostles are up so high, and the covering, we're covering you. The more you come into obedience to the apostles and the word of God, the more you're covered and protected, even if you're at a lower elevation with less sanctification. I've seen it many times where people can walk in a much greater sanctification and holiness than they even have personally in their inner sanctification by the external grace of the covering of the apostles. I've seen this many times. This works. When you come into obedience and you come into under that authority, 
and you're not walking in rebellion and strife, you're protected. Even if you don't have that internal sanctification yourself. Now you keep working out your sanctification in fear and trembling and through your own inner castles. Corporately, the, the interior castle, your, Teresa Avila's interior castles, the one we're in corporately is where the head of the body has achieved and arrived to. And that's where the head of the body has gone in their own internal sanctification. But it covers you and gives you that same level of protection, the level of your obedience, without strife, without stolen grace, right? without all this sin and rebellion, you have that protection. And what that does is it allows you to rise and you'll have a much easier time rising than, than I did, than we did. But if you get into strife, well, don't they think they're better than me up there? Where what can I just? Or if you come from the outside, right? Joan of Jezebel's temptations is, look at them. They think they're so great. And then you come out here and you get into Jezebel's tower thinking that, you know, you're rising. Stolen grace, yeah. And so then you end up in the black moon, black sun. Look, I'm just like you guys. I'm in the sun. I have lightning revelations. I see gateways and portals. But it's like you didn't pay the price. So the reason why, it's like, it's not that we don't want you to rise. We want you to rise. But here's the problem with you being out here. You won't know it, first of all, unless you're knowingly working with Jezebel. Once the principalities are done using you and can't get anything else out of you, bam, you fall and your fall is so great you go through the meat grinder, probably end up demon possessed with some Nephilim or something like really bad, probably might even lose your salvation and have a black spirit again. Twice dead, beyond salvation. It's a miracle if you can survive a fall from that. I wouldn't test it, wouldn't count on it. You stay and pay the price grow where you're planted, stay humble, stay under the apostolic covering, and you can go right up and you'll be shielded because holiness is an impenetrable shield. And then you go, you stand on the moon, and that's where you have to overcome the black moon, and you overcome the black sun, and you stand on the sun and all that. That's where this little spirit of a man turns into these like angelic cherubim. When you come into the sun, the butterflies, right, you fly into the sun, become a butterfly, transfiguration of your spirit so your spirit doesn't look like this little gingerbread man you look like an angel interior interior okay because if you fall from here like if the seven righteous fall seven times if you come in righteousness in the sun and you fall we'll pick you back up right your brothers and sisters help you restore you without getting the garments stained there's repentance you fall seven times you rise seven times but if you come out here in arrogance and pride Woo! I can't help you. I can tell you the truth. The truth will set you free, but you have to choose to believe it. And there's great deception. So it's better for you to just stay where you're planted, grow in humility, grow in the truth, and rise the proper way straight up. Stay under the apostolic covering. It's for your protection. And you'll go right up, and it'll be faster than it was for us. Okay? All right. Sounds great. Wonderful, wonderful. We love you guys. We're praying for you every day. We're speaking life over you and your families, health over you and your families. And uh, yeah, we'll dive into this more this week. You are loved. You are prayed for. You are called to be a witness of righteousness. So we bless you in the name 
of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.